This is Lantern Lights COVID-19 edition, your destination for continuing coverage on the COVID-19 impact at The Ohio State University. This is Lantern Lights COVID-19 edition for Monday, March 23rd. I'm your host, Kim Lapka, today joined by media professor Nicole Kraft, Lantern reporter Owen Milnes, and chief quality and patient safety officer at the Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center, Dr. Ian Gottenhauser. How are you guys doing today? Great. Doing great. Doing great. Yeah. Ian, we're going to ask you a lot of questions, but the first thing we kind of want to ask you uh, for a lot of those listening is sort of a timetable question, because that's really one of the things that is in the most unknown. People don't know how long this is going to last. There are students listening who are curious about summer school. So just briefly, what can you kind of tell us about uh, the timetable of this virus and how long it, it could possibly last here? Yeah, I mean, this is the question that everybody wants an answer to. I know we want to answer it. I've got two small kids at home and mom's got cabin fever right now with no schools and no services and no anything going on. So I think everybody wants to know when life is going to go back to normal. Um, and it's a little early for us to still answer that. Um, we're hopeful that this is a matter of weeks to really know what the situation looks like and see that curve sort of flatten and decrease the number of people who are testing positive for this. We should know that in the next one to two weeks and then get a good sense for how long this is going to last. But right now we're in a holding pattern until we see more information. It feels like um, the language has changed a little bit. I was listening to NPR this morning and, you know, they were they were talking about 18 months. Uh, they were talking, you know, the you know, Donald Trump has been on saying, you know, that we're not going to let life get in the way of having to deal with um, an inconvenience like this virus. I mean, I think, you know, we have this sort of battle going on about the length of time and, and what people are willing to sacrifice for it. You know, can you help us kind of see through why the language might be changing and, and why it's really important that people do what we're being asked to do? It's certainly here in Ohio to shelter in place, as they put it, but kind of what the ramifications are. Yeah, I, I won't get too much into the politics of it or my personal politics, but I'm never terribly happy with the message that's coming out of the White House, particularly in the context of what's going on with COVID. Um, you know, the idea that the, the cure is worse than the disease, which I think that's the language that they use today, I'd be really cautious with that. I mean, there, there's a big impact that we can have through these social distancing measures that we're taking right now. Um, and we can really reduce uh, what this is going to mean to people who are at risk. And those are people like our elderly and our frail, our immunocompromised, the people who have chronic medical conditions. You know, us younger people uh, who are healthy and fit, you know, you're going to experience this fairly mildly, most likely. But you have to keep in mind, you know, the parents, the grandparents, the people who you know and love who have other conditions that could be hospitalized, could have a, a, a fatality. Um, you know, we're, we're doing this not necessarily just for us, but for all of them as well. So I think we have to just observe the current measures. We have to keep in mind, you know, what this means for everybody who can be affected and affected very significantly. Um, and, and for us, if we're not small business owners, it's, it's a small price to pay uh, to stay in and kind of have the inconvenience of it. So I caution that language and, and I really stick to the potential efficacy of social distancing. And so, uh, Dr. Gonsenhauser, we talked a couple months ago about just like the origin of the virus itself and information like that. And you said that Ohio State students were more likely to catch the flu at that time. Is this, can we compare the levels of contagiousness for the flu and the coronavirus as well as like the risk of, that each of them poses? 
Yeah, so amazingly, and you would never guess this from the media attention, but you're still right now much more likely to catch the flu than you are coronavirus, right? So we've got approximately 30,000 cases in the U.S. right now. Um, we've had over 22 million cases of flu already this season. Um, so you're still much more likely to catch the flu. Uh, we don't know, we still don't know how deadly coronavirus is going to prove to be. I think as we see the data bear out, those early indicators that it's more deadly than the flu may change a little bit and it's going to look a little bit more similar than, than it has so far. Um, certainly as far as contagiousness, it looks like the average person who catches coronavirus can potentially transmit the, the infection to two to three other people. That's a little bit higher than flu. So it's more contagious, it appears, than flu, but it's still not as widespread. And then do you, because of that contagious level, like because of that contagious level, do you think that's why Ohio State and other universities elected to move to more to a virtual instruction for the remainder of the semester? Yeah, I, I, I think it's the fear of the unknown, right? So what we what we would love to see, and and we'll all it'll be anticlimactic, it'll be a little bit of a letdown when we get to the end of this and we all say, hey, it feels like we did all this for nothing, right? If we get to the point and it feels like we did this for nothing, it means we won, it means it worked, and it means we didn't have a whole bunch of people get hurt, right? And that's what we're really going for. So we want this at the other side, when we get to the end of this, we want everybody to feel like we did this for nothing because that means we didn't see a whole lot of people get terribly injured from it, which is likely a representation of the interventions working. Um, you know, the the that's where we're at right now. And, and what we would hate to see happen is to get to the other side of this and we say, geez, we started that too late and look at how many people became critically ill or look at how many lives were lost as a result of this, right? We, we can't afford to be wrong about being under cautious, right? We can't afford to be wrong about taking less aggressive measures than we could take, but we can afford to be wrong about being overly aggressive and overly cautious. Doctor, you talked about the fear of unknowingness, and that's something that's you know frightening a lot of people. What would you say to the panic level? Because th there are people who see this as not much of a panic because they compare these numbers to the flu and they say, well, you know, this is nothing compared to that, and we survive through that. And then there's obviously people who are doing the right things and being cautious, but you know, having a lot of panic. So, what can you say, uh, kind of in the middle of those two, to kind of ease uh, some of the panic that people are seeing through media, through everything that's uh, making a lot of people stressed and worried about this? Yeah, I mean, panic at the disco, right? It is like <laughs> it's levels that we've never seen, and and so the contagion of fear, the the pandemic, the epidemic of panic. Um, we're experiencing that more significantly really than anything else right now. But part of that is because we, you know, we've been talking about this happening for so long. There's been movies about stuff like this. I mean, it's something that we've been thinking about happening for a very long time. So everybody keys in immediately to think, you know, this is the big one. This is the virus that nobody can treat. This is the virus that's going to take the world by storm. It's Ebola, but on a bigger scale. And it's not that. I mean, we know for sure that it's decidedly not that. But you can't help people from going there as far as uh, their, their thinking and how they sort of project and conjecture that, that this may be. So, you know, I'm urging people calm vigilance and trying to take that panic that you may be experiencing, that panic that you may be feeling, and turn that into um, focus on the efforts that can make a difference, right? Turn that into the thing that's driving you to be really cautious about your hand hygiene or really cautious about um, the social distancing or, or the cough etiquette and things like that. 
rather than just being irrationally panicked, because there is a lot of irrational panic, turn it into something meaningful. So what would you say to our students? You know, I mean, we're on our first day of our class, the new normal of our classes, but um, you know, this is gonna be a long road. And even when we just get through to the end of the semester, it's gonna be a lot of time spent at computers and you know, in, in some level of isolation. What, what, what words of wisdom do you have for them? Yeah, well, for all the gamers out there, your day has finally arrived. It seems like <laughs> what you've been doing all this time is now the order of the day. So uh, congratulations. No, I, you know, it's, it's something that I think as a, as a younger person, again, as a younger, healthier person, there's a sense that this isn't going to impact you. Um, but understand, and, and we've been talking about these numbers a lot recently, understand that about 50% of the people that are getting this are between the ages of 20 and 50, right? A little bit, little bit wider range than that. But we're seeing young people that are not only testing positive for this, but that are actually being hospitalized for it as well. So it's not just a problem of the old and frail. It's a problem for everybody. Um, and the impact that it can have on your life, a, a major hospitalization, you know, an intensive care unit stay, those are things that impact you for the rest of your life. Uh, the PTSD that comes from being hospitalized in an intensive care unit is no joke, and nobody wants to experience that. It will derail your life. So uh, the inconvenience right now of figuring out you know, remote classrooms and virtual learning and all of that, which frankly, you know, we're all in a pretty good position to tolerate in this day and age. I mean, we're all used to what we're doing right now, teleconferencing and, and working on the web and working asynchronously. So there's never been a generation of people that are more aptly prepared for something like this than this generation that's in school right now. Um, so, you know, we grin and bear it. We take it on the chin. We keep moving forward. Understand that there will be things in our world that are changed forever as a result of this. And quite frankly, you know, if we figure out how to do remote education really, really well, it means there will be more options for that in the future. And I think that's something that people can look forward to. So, you know, try to see the positives, try to see the takeaways and the positive impact that this, this can have for us, but don't underestimate the potential impact that this virus could have on your own life, even if you are young and healthy. Doctor, what can we kind of expect in the future before we let you go? Um, for the students and for everybody listening, you know, we've seen exponential increases in numbers the past few days and, and, and this week. So as we go forward, these next one to two weeks, when you, you mentioned we're going to kind of, you know, wait and see what happens, what, what can people expect? Yeah, so this week, I would say be cautious about how you interpret the numbers, particularly with the sort of new order of stay at home and what that means. You know, we feel like we've been doing so much already for the past week, and we're going to be doing so much more as far as, again, that social distancing and that staying at home and all these things that we think are supposed to be uh, having an impact on the, the growth rate and the exposure rate. So be really cautious about the numbers this week. The numbers we get back this week are numbers from people who were tested you know, seven to nine days ago. Uh, the lab, there's basically one lab that runs all of this testing for the entire nation. Um, they have been swamped, as you can imagine, with tests. So they're getting tests right, right now. They're getting our, us results from tests that happened over a week ago. So we're going to see those numbers jump significantly this week. You're going to see a lot of new cases, and it's going to look like the things that we've been doing have not been working. Don't rush to that conclusion because those are old tests, and there's a, discon there's a disconnect between the results that we're getting right now and the things that we're doing to mitigate. Um, so don't let it discourage you. Don't let it seem as though the things that we're doing aren't accomplishing the goal. Um, we have to stick it out for another 
good week to two weeks before we know that we're having the impact that we're looking for. Doctor, we really appreciate you coming on today. Great insight. Uh, th thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Take care and, and stay yeah. safe out there. Thanks, thanks for having me. Much. Get it. All right, doctor. That was uh, Dr. Ian Gonsenhauser joining us today on Lantern Lights. Uh, we're going to continue talk with Nicole and Owen about uh, today is the first day of virtual learning, and we're going to talk a little bit about how this is going to progress and a little bit of what we've experienced, and we're going to add some things at the end. But um, Nicole, have, have you had any classes today, um, or what are you expecting today as we begin virtual learning? Well, uh, I have not had any classes today. I have had... Um I've had several instances of virtual um, learning for um, a variety of students to be able to engage and, um, you know, try out Zoom and see how they're doing. I've had, um, you know, just different test sessions repeatedly. So this will be kind of our first go live. So far, what I'm hearing from students and faculty is it's, it's going really well. Um, you know, there's some small glitches. We have some people, you know, for example, this morning, somebody uh, was, a, there was a student in China who couldn't access a, a video on YouTube because they can't access, YouTube's restricted in China. So that's one of those issues that we didn't necessarily think about at the time, but we're gonna, we have a workaround. Um, so, you know, I think a lot of these things uh, have been thought of in advance because we've done such a great job of online learning at Ohio State and we're gonna learn on the fly. So, um, you know, I know in the School of Com we've created a Slack community and we share ideas, we share what students are telling us, we share what other faculty are telling us, and we're able to, um, you know, kind of, on, as we're moving forward, be able to make changes and evolve uh, to meet the needs as um, we may not have anticipated them to begin with. Yeah, and then I've had one online class so far and it was operated by Zoom and uh, the professor I started the instruction with. I know a lot of you probably haven't even heard of Zoom before today, so <laughs> she said that she was gonna start at like 15 minutes, like five to 10, 15 minutes later than normal time so everyone could have enough time to figure out like how to get on because this one was one of the password protected zooms where you need a password to get in whereas like the zoom we use to record this you just kind of you just have the link and anyone can join yeah and, yeah i think the i feel like the zoom itself i also am currently working on a story for the lantern about uh, the first day of classes and i've talked to someone already and she said that it felt relatively normal like doing the zoom lectures except the weirdest part for her was just like being in her apartment and having to like make that mental transition of school to like from school to like casually, as well as just the annoyance of having to wake up for an 8 a.m. and then <laughs> sit in the apartment. Well, you know, we had an interesting conversation um, about uh, the idea that 8 a.m. classes, you know, when you're on campus are one thing, but suppose you are living in California, you know, suddenly your 8 a.m. classes at 5 a.m. So, you know, I think there's a lot of adjustment that we're going to have to consider um, because we have people in different time zones and different countries. And, um, you know, as, as we move forward through this, there's going to be a lot of adaption. You know, one thing I want to, you know, encourage is that people take the time to, um, to learn the technology and, and adjust to the technology before we try to teach them things. So, you know, faculty that are out there, do their first Zoom classes, like let's let our students have a, a class period to get used to how this works and to get used to the different tools. Um, you know, it, it's, it's unnerving for faculty, but it's just as unnerving for students. 
we often think of students as quote digital natives but they're not digital natives they are just like the rest of us some of them like and have embraced technology some of them have you know not as comfortable and so we need to really make sure that we are providing the space for people to get that comfort level up before we expect them to learn anything yeah, we did some movement oh and i was wondering if you um had any thoughts or talk about we saw some movement on what we talked about earlier about um the uh going to pass fail and uh having courses do that i know we weren't quite as clear in the last podcast and we needed yeah. to that but what's changed now more about that i would like to clarify that the petition that was started on change.org will ask the university to allow students the option to take courses for pass slash non-pass credit and our discussion of the pass slash non-pass credit was not meant to imply the petition was asking for a universal transition to that system and um, the Lantern broke, Lantern at Ohio State Arts and Sciences announced yesterday, I believe, I will pull up exactly yeah, when it Today, College of Arts and Sciences is opening the pass slash non-pass to major and minor courses, and it's allowing, I believe it is allow, it's allowing students to opt in for a pass slash non-pass grading scale for general education and elective courses, but it's also allowing them to do it for major or minor courses. So all courses, essentially, from my understanding of this, have the option, and they have students have until April seventeenth to choose to take courses for pass plus non pass credit. But it essentially taking the course will not lower or raise a student's GPA, and it's recommended that they talk to their advisor before they go and do this. So, what do you guys think of that? Are you Kevin? Do you think that this is a, a good move by the university? I think it is because I mentioned in the last podcast. I mean, there's a lot you can't do. I mean, what, you, what you're doing with virtual learning is you're not, ably, you're not able to accurately, you know, encompass all the things that you regularly would, and, and that can affect somebody's grade. And I saw a thing that was like um, saying, you know, the move to virtual learning is, uh, someone said it's, they believed that it was basically for the grades, right? I mean, because if you're in a lab course and you're obviously not able to do all of your lab courses, then people wonder, then what's even the point of joining a Zoom conference every two days to learn it? And people say, well, it's because of a grade. So uh, I think this is great that it's, it's the option. And, and that's obviously the key where we want to focus on as we read that correction is the option. So if you're struggling and you truly feel that you're not able to show your true ability in a course, because of the virtual learning and you're not able to, you know, get everything that you can out of the course, then that's where I think that this is a positive um, change because it's, it's just not possible to accurately say that, you know, your grade through virtual learning is representative of your time in the course. Do you think it would make people less or more likely to, to come to the course? A friend, a friend of mine taught this morning. He said it was good attendance. He said there were, um, I think, 33 out of 38 people came to the class. Um, I, I was kind of wondering if you guys thought that maybe if people felt like, well, I already have a passing grade, I could just take pass, whether they won't maybe join the classes at all or kind of what you're, if you've heard anything out there. Uh, I think that's the likelihood. Like if people have like the passing grade, they can just kind of not show up and just kind of do what they need to do to maintain their pass and get their like, credit because if it's not counting towards GPA, it's essentially like it didn't really, like you were just getting the hours essentially and not like it's nothing weighted. Like if you have like a three five before, like if you have a three five going into all of this like cumulative and you take a pass fail class and you don't do so well, you could just make it a pass, make a pass fail and you don't have to deal with like 
having like a 2.0 weight onto the 3.5. I think I it's, cer it's certainly a possibility, but the thing is, you know, if, if we were on campus and this were an option, you know, people would say, oh, I don't want to traipse out of my apartment <laughs> and, and walk 20 minutes, but right. it's not, not much of an inconvenience now to, to open up the computer in your bedroom. Uh, so it's certainly possible that, that students will, um, students at least with higher grades will say, you know, I can compromise uh, my grade a little bit, if, you know, because of this pass fail option. Um, but I think that's why people are advised to talk to their advisors about this and, and just so they kind of understand what's at stake here because uh, it's not as black and white as it's just the option itself. So uh, I think we would all say, you know, go talk to your advisor. Um, and, and, you know, if this is really something that's concerning you or you really have questions about this, those are the best people to talk to. Um, and, you know, we'll see how the university progresses through this change. I got to be honest, I can't wait for class. It'll give me something like to do that's, yeah, right? I'm thinking the same thing. I need to be entertained. Yeah. <laughs> At least have some like interaction with each other. Right. I, guys, it's not the same. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on um, the whole, like the differences between like meeting like synchronously via Zoom or just like recording lecture videos? Because I saw like people are going like back and forth on that. Like some, like some people wanted like some more like just lecture videos so they can pick up like extra hours of like babysitting or something like that. Whereas people, whereas I personally think that I like the Zoom, like I have a class at two o'clock, meet at Zoom on two o'clock. It like adds like a sense of schedule and like routine and like almost like normalcy to the whole thing. So how do you guys feel about that as a student and a professor? What do you think, Kevin? Well, I'll first say that people probably aren't going to be doing a lot of babysitting nowadays. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Um, but, you know, I, I would agree, Owen, that it does give you a sense of schedule. I mean, you know, obviously people don't probably won't need to be scheduled in time like this because you got all this free time on your hands. But I think there's something to be said for meeting in person, being entertained and, and on with a professor. I love that your classes course. entertain you, Kevin. That I, I, they do. Happy. They do. What can I say? I love them. Um, but. No, I mean, it, uh, but one of the options is you, what professors I think are doing is, you know, you have uh, online Zoom and then you record the Zoom and put that uh, on the lecture. So you have both options. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's many professors, at least from what I've heard, who are just doing one or the other. They're doing, you know, only Zoom classes at a specific time or only posted lecture videos. So, you know, if you are someone who doesn't want to tune into the Zoom, so be it, you know, watch the lectures on your own time. But uh, me personally, I, I like to be, um, you know, on it actively. It helps me keep engaged when I'm, you know, I see somebody live on the screen. So uh, I think that's what a lot of people from what I'm hearing are, are thinking the same thing is they, they like that um, they can go and see their professor live and kind of be actively engaged at one time. I mean, our classes have always done that. So, you know, I, the classes that we teach are flipped so they could have been, so they were active. Um, so we always had lecture video in the, that were already embedded. And then people um, kind of did all the readings and watched the videos before they came into class with the goal being that we would then do activities. So I'm still going to do the same thing. Um, you know, the same, the class structure is the same. And then when we come in on Zoom, we're going to do an act that we have activities to do. And I'm going to give them time to do it and kind of go offline and do it and then come back and talk about it and, and share it with each other. And um, 
you know, so I think we need to do, you know, if we're going to get on here and lecture for an hour, that's going to be just as boring as if we did it in a classroom. Um, you know, I, I absolutely hope everybody records their Zoom, no matter what it is that they recorded and posted into the page for that particular day or, you know, the module that they're working on in Carmen, um, so that students who either are not able to join, if there's a technical problem, if they do have to babysit or, you know, just take care of a younger sibling or something, um, or just for whatever reason can't be there, that they do have the option to go back and look at it. Um, you know, it's just the, the biggest thing is to do, I guess, what your classes have done, Kevin, which is to keep people engaged and make them feel like it's worthwhile to go to. And, you know, we're just going to sit here and then I'm going to lecture and you guys are going to stare at me. And, you know, I would expect at some point that you would put your screen on black and, um, and maybe be listening, but you're, you know, I can't guarantee that. And you, you staring at me on the screen is no more effective than you staring at me in a class blankly. So, you know, really thinking about what's going to keep us all active, you know, let's get rid of busy work. That's a big thing I think we need to do. Um, you know, a lot of students, I've, I've had a poll out uh, or survey for my students asking them what they're most concerned about. And a significant portion of them are worried that faculty are going to like throw a bunch of busy work at them, you know, kind of the worksheet model that we had in, in K-12 just to show that they're doing something. That is not the answer here. We have to be in this together and still be learning. And um, that's what I hope is going to happen. And I've experienced that in a few of my classes because that's, I mean, you just mentioned that's the ideology is, you know, for those classes that you know, can't do things online when we talk about the lab courses and, and, you know, just things you can't do online, they say, well, what are we going to do? I mean, you know, how is, how are we going to evaluate the grades? And that's when they start to say, here's three quizzes on Carmen, just to, just so we know you're learning. And I, you know, I think that's, it's okay to a sense where, you know, you should still be reading the material, but as far as, you know, just active content, you know, throwing these quizzes at you, I, I don't, I don't know if that's necessary, but um, I just think, there's a lot of students. Uh, there's a lot of students out there who have a lot of free time on their hands. So I think having a schedule and being live is not too much of an inconvenience for them. And I have a lot of my friends who are saying, you know, you mentioned it early. It's refreshing. You know, in this time of abyss, and you you wake up and you don't know what to do. You pace around the house. You don't even know what day it is. You don't, even, you don't even know what day it is. I mean, people have lost all sense of time. It <laughs> is kind of nice to say, okay, at two o'clock, I'm gonna be on this live. Uh, you know, action with my professor. And maybe it also helps with procrastination because I know there's a lot of people who say, well, I can play on my video game console that's 10 feet away, or I could, you know, look at the lecture online. So, um, you know, again, we're going to keep rolling through this, but I think there are uh, a few positives to note out. I like seeing everybody's where they where they live. I've seen the Owen's kitchen already today, and I've seen his room. <laughs> yeah, you have to, this is my living room. <laughs> You have to see my house back home, and now you're seeing my apartment in Columbus. <laughs> Both worlds. Well, let's not forget to encourage people to keep going to the Lantern to read all the, the Lantern stories that we've been putting out, you know, incredible coverage that they've been providing, um, you know, really, really extraordinary work by our student journalists. And if you, you know, need, you know, there's a great, the Dispatch does a great job covering the nation and Columbus. Um, you know, the national news is going to cover the nation and the world, but nobody's going to give you like the Ohio State stuff like we are the Ohio State news that you need to have. So I really hope that people are jumping on there and, and reading the stories that are going to help them better kind of understand how this we're all going to work through this. Yeah, make sure to follow us on all social platforms, especially Twitter. And, and that's where a lot of the news gets out and it gets out fast. So uh, if you're curious about something, I mean, the Lantern will have it out 
um, as, as about as fast as you can get. And don't forget to send us questions because we're here for you. We want to answer your questions. Um, you know, email us at lanternlights at gmail.com, but also interact with us on socials. You can ask a question and the replies on Twitter. Uh, feel free to do that just so we can get a sense of, of what the students and really whoever's listening, what, what you guys want to know. Um, for me, Nicole Owen and Dr. Ian Gonsenhauser. It was a great episode. Thanks for joining us. Stay safe, guys. Thanks. See you tomorrow. See you.